You're listening to The Connected Care Team, the show where we bring you the stories of care team innovation from the people at the forefront of modern healthcare communication and collaboration. Hello, and welcome to our latest episode of The Connected Care Team brought to you by Tiger Connect. Once again, I'm your host, Reagan Wynn, and today we're excited to have Dr. Payam Parvincia, Caremore Medical Director. Dr. Parvincia, thank you for joining the show. Yeah, great to be here. Excited. Recently, we had our Tiger Summit, and I had a chance to watch your session and basically do the Q&A at the end. And we got some interesting questions, and I thought that would really be a great opportunity for us to have a conversation around what you presented that day. First off, tell the audience a little bit about Caremore, what, what they do, what you do, and the situation currently with COVID. Yeah, so Caremore is a healthcare organization that uh, started here in Southern California about 25 years ago. It's an organization that from its inception has focused on the most vulnerable seniors in every community we serve. We are a group of doctors, nurse practitioners, pharmacists, and and other um, healthcare professionals that work within the Medicare Advantage space, taking care of seniors that live in nursing homes and their own homes and, and throughout the community. And when COVID occurred, that was the thing that interested me about your presentation was that it was around virtual care and and what virtual care meant for your your patient cohort. What what challenges were immediately presented when COVID-19 forced California into our, our pretty serious lockdown back in March? Yeah, so Caremore is a very high-touch uh, model because we serve these extremely sick patients whether it's within our care centers or in our mobile program, we really pride ourselves on seeing our patients more frequently than just about any other healthcare provider. So that weekend in the middle of March, given the fears and concerns that everyone had, we basically shut down all of our clinical operations overnight. Over whatever that weekend was, on Monday, we decided to ground all of our clinical operations and quickly, given the needs of our patients, had to adapt to delivering them care initially telephonically, but then very quickly ramped up our virtual program. So uh, when you made that decision, what what technologies did you have to either A, have in place, or as I uh, recall from your session, that you were lucky enough to have in place that was able to, that enabled you to make that transition so quickly? Yeah, luckily, we've been working on implementing Tiger Connect uh, for a variety of different applications within our organization for the last, I believe, over two years. Just like everyone else, we've been slowly strategizing and rolling out a virtual care program, including using the virtual Tiger Connect virtual platform. Uh, nothing had been, there was no urgency, so we are in the infancy stages. And so we had about three or four platforms that we could use to deliver virtual care on that day on Monday. And it turned out because of our sort of intense existing implementation with Tiger Connect, we were most effectively able to roll out our virtual services via that platform. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the variety of the applications, because as the title of the show suggests, it's about connecting the care team. So typically where, what we see is is that the communication or the use of the platform is to provider. What applications were you using at the beginning when you made the selection for Tiger Connect? You mean within Tiger Connect? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So we used it initially as just a care collaboration tool using the text messaging module along with the scheduling and you know on-call services. So 
that basic feature had been extremely effective for an organization like us, where, again, we serve patients at home, in the hospital, at nursing homes, and our patients are getting touched by a variety of providers. And so the ability to quickly and urgently communicate among that group was essential. So that was the initial use that we had become really comfortable and confident with. Uh, When we transitioned to virtual, to the point you made, we had to start giving accounts to our partners outside of our organization. And, And the ability to do that, the ability to put Tiger Connect in their hands seamlessly, easily, we work with a lot of staff at assisted livings and nursing homes that aren't as tech savvy as maybe some of the clinicians we work with. But the fact that they were easily able to download the application, sign up for an account and quickly use it, given it's very simple and uh, easy to adapt to UI, was what was made, what made it really useful. So when you rolled that out, basically took it outside of your four walls and, and took it to all of the remote locations, what impact do you think that had on removing or coordinating that face-to-face care that typically used to happen? Uh, How did, you know, by putting those processes in place where we have to wear our PPE, where we have to, to, to engage with the patients as little as possible. We hear these stories of, of people in ICU or people who have been quarantined within these organizations. What impact did that have on that quality of care once you rolled this out? Yeah, it was huge. And and a big part of it was, even though early on Medicare suspended a lot of the HIPAA restrictions, a lot of the facility partners we worked with still were very sensitive. We had traditionally lived in a state where obviously we could never use FaceTime or these other non-secure applications. And so when we initially tried to use some of these things, a lot of our facility partners were very hesitant because they, they didn't want to run afoul of privacy laws. And so when we were then able to come back and say, hey, we can give you this HIPAA compliant application, um, regardless of what ease of restrictions are occurring, it built up a lot of trust with these partners that we were willing to invest in delivering these virtual visits with, with security as a uh, key concept. And because of that, doing these virtual visits and getting the staff to be able to coordinate these virtual visits took up a lot of their time and it required them to sacrifice of the work they needed to do. But again, because we had invested in them, they were willing to do so. Mm-hmm. And and you mentioned that it was easy to roll out. How was the distro method from a hardware standpoint? Tiger Connect works across multiple platforms, whether it's desktop or or your mobile device. In fact, we like to pride ourselves on being mobile first. Was that something that people were a little hesitant or were, was it something they, they were more willing to embrace because they could put it on their phone versus putting it on, say, a, a traditional desktop? Yeah, no, it was absolutely essential. Again, I think the UI that allowed it to be downloaded on anyone's device, on any iPhone or Android, was absolutely essential. Given the mobile nature of the care and, and where our patients are, the desktop application was a lot less useful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, let's talk a little bit about then what that care looked like once once it was in place. Once you got the system up and running, and it sounds like the, there was little or no barrier to onboarding these folks, what sort of took place that was different than how your traditional workflows had been prior to rolling this out, specifically around a virtual care model? Yeah, virtual care is 
pretty simple. Once you get the technology, it's a FaceTime interaction, provider and patient. So that was initially the most valuable. But what turned out to be extremely useful within the Tiger Connect platform that, again, took advantage of the initial use that we were taking advantage of was we could get multiple providers on the same encounter. So again, as a very high-risk, vulnerable patient care model, oftentimes we have our nurse practitioner that's the point of care who might you know, initiate a virtual call, but that patient might have issues related to podiatry needs um, or cardiac needs. A lot of times we might need to get a pharmacist involved. And within that Tiger Connect platform, we were able to literally add providers real time to facilitate those encounters. And what I like to say is, as everyone's working on scaling and building these new virtual models, a lot of people are looking to just replace the traditional face-to-face encounter the clinicians have with patients. To me, that's fine. And during an epidemic like COVID, obviously, is necessary. But once we get past this epidemic, people are going to move back to wanting the in-person visit. There's no replacing the benefits of a human being in front of you and being able to touch you. But if you focus on where you can enhance the encounter virtually, like I just described, where you can bring multiple different providers in, things that you couldn't do in the in-person encounter, that's where the future of, I think, telemedicine is going to be really strong. And I think, again, given Tiger Connect already collaborative uh, technology model, it's where that virtual connection is going to be huge. Yeah, I'd like to talk a little bit about where you see it going. When you say there'll still be the in-person touch point, how when they're bringing in the further engagement, do we feel like that's where video and photo sharing becomes crucial to those kinds of virtual care or hybrid because it's going to still be have a nice portion of that being in person? And then how crucial is that if you're going to keep that hybrid model that the technology is all condensed in one dashboard or one app that allows you to have all of that information versus one for texting, one for telehealth, one for scheduling, one for consolidating all of that. How crucial is that to making sure the flow is speedy, but also uh, high quality? Yeah, that's exactly right. Again, I think less number of different platforms that a clinician needs to use because Again, a lot of what people have thought about are barriers to utilization of virtual by patients. But what we found in our development of our virtual program is that there's a lot of barriers to overcome among clinicians. And what you described is one of them that, you know, they just, clinicians aren't as tech savvy as we assume. A lot of them aren't comfortable with new technologies. They're not comfortable jumping between apps. And besides not being comfortable, they're resistant to using new things. So when you have to have them go download a different virtual platform with a different waiting room and they have to use a different EMR, et cetera, it just leads them to lean towards the visits they're used to, which are in-person encounters, et cetera, then to focus on virtual. So at CareMore, we've given our providers a lot of leeway in now that we're into the pandemic and we're back out in the field, we have all of our PPE. There's a lot of choice between, am I going to do a virtual encounter with this patient? Am I going to go do a mobile encounter? Or am I going to schedule this patient to come into our clinic? And we found if the, if the clinician has the right tools and feels comfortable and is, like you said, using Tiger Connect to communicate and schedule, they're more likely to lean towards a virtual encounter when scheduling their visits, which is, again, one of those nudges that has to happen for better virtual adoption. So when you, and I absolutely agree with you, I think it 
keeping the barrier to the clinicians and making it as easy as possible leads to as much adoption as possible. It, it, you don't, and you're also not getting all of the headaches. You're not getting calls like, I can't get this thing to work. It, it, if mm-hmm. it's just the one place, then everything else is all happening in the back end. It was interesting that you just said about them coming in person or trying to figure out if you could go do a mobile visit or do it all virtual. One of the things that you had mentioned that was really in, important, I thought, in the summit presentation was the prevention of of hospitalization and what you were able to do to prevent making someone come in or making sure that they had to stay. Can we unpack that a little bit about not only is it not about going out to the to the site to visit someone, but how important it is that they don't maybe have to come in, that they can be treated remotely moving forward. Can you unpack that a little bit for us? Yeah. I, so again, it's not rocket science. It's speed of assessment is the most critical thing in our business. So from the time we get a call about some symptom or some decline in condition of one of our members, the faster we can connect to that patient, the faster we can make a quick assessment to determine where they need to go is where is all the value in the work we do. But in the past, we'd have clinicians all over the place, and the ideal state was you'd get a call, someone would tell a patient having X, Y, and Z symptom, and we would potentially be able to reroute a clinician to go do an in-person assessment. Now, with Tiger Connect in the hands of our facility partners, when they would call and give us, hey, person has chest pain. And whereas before, we probably wouldn't be able to get in front of that patient soon enough with a symptom like chest pain. Now we were able to quickly ask, hey, can you turn on video? Because with video, if we can do a video encounter with a patient, there's a lot of decision making that can happen around the complaint of chest pain that would lead to us deciding hey, that chest pain is related to a muscle pain, so it's not that serious, give him some Tylenol, versus, oh, this is concerning chest pain, I can see with my eyes, he's sweaty, he's clammy, I think this is a cardiac condition, call 911 and get him to the ER. Whereas in the previous day where we didn't have immediate virtual capabilities, if someone says chest pain nine times out of 10, we're stuck with the next thing being call 911, because obviously you don't want to miss a heart attack. So that's one example, the others are, Traditionally, everyone uses the emergency room for change of condition among seniors, right? It's just the quickest way to get someone evaluated. But a lot of times among seniors, there's various levels of concern related to their symptoms. And so with our model, we can take someone to a nursing home directly. But it all, again, depends on our comfort with the condition of the patient and the patient himself, the caregiver's also comfort that we made an adequate assessment that the patient doesn't need the emergency room. And again, telephonically, you're limited, but when we can do a virtual quick, like immediate virtual assessment, then it allows us to make those decisions in real time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it sounds like those impacts were immediately felt in that way. What was the, we're now six months in, how are the staff, how are the the partners, how is everyone feeling about this? And I know that's we like tangible results. We like hard numbers, but what's the sentiment around this new procedure? Do people like it? Do they hate it? Do they want to go back to the old way or they want to try to figure out how to keep this in the new way? Where is that uh, feedback coming in and how is it coming in? Yeah, it's. I think we're at the lowest point in terms of clinician fatigue around this pandemic. I think everyone's dealing with sort of general COVID fatigue and the realization that what we thought was going to be a few months, three months, six months, it's now stretched into potentially another six months to 12 months or even longer. 
And why I say that is that most of our clinicians, there was some grief around losing the in-person encounter and, and an immediate sort of resistance to long-term virtual adoption, you know, which is understandable. People saying, this is temporary, we're going to go back the old way. But what we're seeing now after people realizing this is going to be a much more long-term problem is this understanding that they're going to have to adapt their practice model to a form of hybrid between virtual and in-person encounters. And so to your question, I think people are, I wouldn't want to say reluctantly, but starting to accept the fact that they need to become good virtual clinicians. And that's a big deal for us because, again, given that we've empowered them with the right tools, they haven't been constantly dealing with frustration over connectivity and patients not wanting to use it and all the other things we talked about. Because we overcame those barriers quickly, I think now we're at a state where people who used to be resistant are now very much excited. I'll tell you, we have a older nurse practitioner who herself is a risk for COVID exposure, who was probably the last person who was interested in doing any type of virtual. She was just an old school, in-person, get my hands dirty kind of person. And when this happened, she basically shifted to 100% of her work being virtual out of the necessity for herself to reduce exposure risk, given you know her chronic disease concerns. And she has been now training other nurse practitioners on how to do really good virtual encounters, because we're learning all sorts of new tips, all sorts of new enhancements around how you can use the camera to do assessments of people's feet and make different type of physical exam maneuvers possible. Yeah. We're learning on the fly, and I think the nature of this pandemic is driving a lot of our behavior. Yeah. And I think it's great to hear that like people who are sometimes the the, the most resistant end up being the, the loudest advocates once they learn. I, I, I You mentioned just now that the patients weren't as reluctant to use it. What has their feedback been or in, in cases where they're able to share feedback? Have you heard any sort of complaints around using a virtual care model or are the patients, oh, this is great. I don't have to like go in the ambulance to go to the nursing facility or I don't have to go to the hospital. Like how has that response been? Yeah, I think traditionally we overestimated seniors' resistance to virtual care significantly, I think across the board. What I mentioned earlier, I think a lot of clinicians would use physician, would use patient excuses as to why they don't want to use virtual to cover themselves because they were the ones that didn't actually want to do it. The patients across the board, the ones especially that don't have hearing difficulties, who don't have visual impairment, absolutely have loved it. One of the things we've done that's been unique is we've been able to include family members in on encounters. And that's, again, added to the value of the clinical encounter for the patient. But specifically, the avoidance of COVID exposure from going to the patient's office, going to the doctor's office, going to the emergency room, that's been huge and extremely well received. And I believe it's going to be continued to be something that patients are going to demand of providers moving forward. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think we even saw it in a recent study that we did that at least telehealth is here to stay, if not a full virtual care model, regardless of it's rural and it's no access to, to hospitals or, or more of an urban one where it's just easier for them to get on and do a session where they can, especially in, in behavioral health. One of the things I wanted to talk about, which we talked a little bit about the heart stuff, how much people like it, but there's always a cost benefit analysis that goes into rolling out a technology like this or taking it from what you originally were going to use and then 
moving it into a virtual care model. You mentioned it in your presentation about a reduction in healthcare costs. Can you tell us a little bit about where you've seen either uh, time costs or financial costs reduced because of doing this, this sort of new model? Yeah, so virtual care is going to be more efficient. I think first and foremost, if you can deliver encounters virtually, you're going to reduce a lot of the drive time, a lot of the room time, a lot of the just things that delay and lengthen in-person encounter. So the efficiency is going to drive cost savings. But extremely importantly, in a model like us, so we're a full-risk healthcare system, meaning we are at full financial risk for the outcomes of the patient. So for us, the virtual encounter can't just be a cost savings from efficiency. It has to deliver the same outcome. So if you shift your care virtually and all of a sudden more people are going to the hospital or more people are going to these expensive places of care because you couldn't do the same work you were able to do in person, then you know it's a wash or it's a loss and you fail to deliver what you've promised to patients. So importantly, like we've discussed throughout this conversation, it's being able to deliver virtual care where you can ensure that not only does it equal what you do in person, but potentially enhances it. And so I, I don't think we're ever going to be in a model, especially in the high-risk senior space, where it's going to be full virtual. There are certain things that just cannot be replaced from an in-person encounter. But we've discovered a lot of new places where we previously thought virtual would not be able to work, that it has. And then we're, we're benefiting from the efficiency. So as the, a lot of the country gets ready for a phase three, maybe they don't have a solution like this in place, or maybe they're only just starting to do a little bit of pager replacement or that sort of thing. What advice would you give to, to those organizations, whether it's another ACO type or if it's a full hospital, about using a virtual care model for the approach uh, to, to this next wave of COVID that's coming? Yeah, a few things. You know, that's the technology, like we mentioned earlier a technology that can do multiple things and help you achieve a variety of goals beyond just a virtual encounter is critical to limit sort of the confusion among your own clinicians. Second, focus on the clinician barriers. Don't just think about patient barriers. That's been well-documented. It's been well thought of. The clinician barriers are what typically are overlooked, and that's what needs to be overcome so you can enhance your virtual visits. And then third, given that it's phase three, you got to start thinking about phase four and post-COVID. CMS is going to start, you know, reintroducing HIPAA uh, restrictions. And so making sure that the technology you have can continue to scale after COVID is done and we're back in our steady state is going to be absolutely important. Yeah, I agree. I think, like you said, something's got sacrificed because of the easing of HIPAA and that can't be sustained. And so if if making the right choice now means you don't have to have that headache later on, I think that's, I think that's absolutely spot on that people should be considering that. I want to thank you for your time. One of the last things I like to do is if there was one key takeaway that you want the audience to walk away from this conversation with, what will that be? I I know I'm putting you on the spot a little bit there, but if you had one thought, one final thought to share with our audience, uh, what would that be? Yeah, I'll just repeat what we said earlier. Make sure when you're thinking about virtual health, you're not thinking about it as just a replacement for the in-person encounter, but as an enhancement. And and any strategy and any modeling should always look at how can virtual really enhance the way we deliver care to patients, not replicate what we used to do. I think that's a failing mentality. And there's a lot of opportunities to really just improve the patient experience through virtual care. And that's what we need to focus on. 
Yeah, it's, it's got to be about the patients first. That's it for this this episode of the Connected Care Team. Please make sure to follow us on all of our social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, and you can always learn more at tigerconnect.com. Doctor, thank you for your time. Thank you, Reagan. It was great being with you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Connected Care Team. To learn more about care team collaboration solutions, please visit us at tigerconnect.com and be sure to follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, or Facebook so you can stay connected to the latest episodes, news, and announcements.